Connor, the time is greatly appreciated. How much have you enjoyed the start to the college football season, my friend? You know, it's been great, guys, but I'll be honest. I, I don't think I've enjoyed it as much as the Sun Belt. I don't know that anybody has enjoyed the start of the college football season as much as the Sun Belt, which I think we just have to refer to as the new premier conference in college football. It's best to do that, I think. I mean, we've we've heard the Fun Belt jokes from time to time over the years, but this would absolutely be the moment that they are officially the Fun Belt. I mean, look, you got Marshall out here going to Notre Dame. Shout out to Charles Huff building a program over there with the Thundering Herd. I love what the Sun Belt has done. They've said, you know what, we'll go anywhere, anytime. We're going to be able to hang with these, these these premier programs, and we don't really care that, that we have a fun nickname that everybody's going to poke fun at. But, look, they're going to be hosting college game day at App State this weekend. That atmosphere is going to be second to none. Luke Combs in the house. This is like kind of apex mountain for the Sun Belt, and unless, of course, the SEC wants to add a bunch of Sun Belt teams and not wait on the ACC's grant of rights deal, which <laughs> goes through 2036. So yeah, Sun Belt's feeling good right now. Uh, before we get to Auburn and Penn State and some other top teams uh, in the SEC, we've got to uh, jump away from the Sun Belt, though, and it's important that we check in on, on Joe Moorhead and those Akron Zips of yours. How are things going through the first two weeks? You know, it's a slow start. It's a slow start. You know, we we, we got to give Joe three or four years. Rome wasn't built overnight. Akron certainly will not be rebuilt overnight. Auburn fans saw last year. That was a pretty sorry program that Joe inherited. Look, I, I picked them to, to not cover at Tennessee. They're 47.5-point underdogs. Um, so I, I'm gladly giving all of those points because um, I think Tennessee's offense should be able to hang half a hundred on them just like Michigan State did last week. It's early. It's real early. Joe's going to need some time. Got to rebuild the culture there. They're going to work the transfer portal really well after year one. It's, it's going to take a bit of time. But year one, we don't judge coaches based on year one. I know they might do that on the planes a little bit, but I personally do not like to judge coaches based on their first year. 47 and a half, Connor? Yeah, it's high. It's real high. That's insane, man. <laughs> I hadn't we, you know, we hadn't even seen that number yet. That is wild. Yeah, look, I mean, Tennessee's offense might be the best in college football Fair. this year, and if if Michigan State could put up fifty two against Akron, you know, I, I'm just I'm setting the bar low for Joe. Um, he he was very clear about that. It's gonna be a rough year one, you know. I think they won what like one game last year. They're, they're in some rough shape, but. Give him like three or four years, and we're going to have LeBron in a suite at Akron, <laughs> every single Akron game, pretending like he's been a diehard Akron fan forever. And Joe will then have the troops rolling. So, yeah, it's just going to take a little bit. I can't wait. That's going to be outstanding. Connor O'Gara is our guest right now from Saturday Down South, getting us set for another big weekend of college football. All right, so in the SEC, uh, we've got a couple of conference games being played this weekend. Georgia and South Carolina, the Dogs now the number one team in the country once again, uh, what's it going to take for South Carolina to pull this off, or is there any chance that happens? Prayer, um, maybe. Um, look, I think last year you watched the Alabama offensive line all of a sudden figure things out before the SEC championship against Georgia, and that doesn't usually happen. Usually if you have offensive line issues, you don't suddenly figure them out against the defensive line as good as Georgia's. South Carolina has offensive line issues. Don't get a twist. I mean, like, they are really rough up front, and this could be a long day for Spencer Rattler. But I do think we're going to see some adjustments made from Marcus Satterfield. That offense that he wants to run, which has the McVay-Shanahan concepts, 
really doesn't call for a lot of extra protection. You put a lot of trust in your offensive line to be able to keep your quarterback upright with those five-man protections with those wide sets that they like to operate out of. And this South Carolina team hasn't shown the ability to do that just yet. I think Spencer Rather is going to be able to make some plays in this one, but I do think that Georgia, even in that atmosphere, and what should be probably, I don't know, it's probably going to feel like 125 on field level at Williams-Brice on Saturday at noon. Um, I do think that Georgia is still going to be able to win this game comfortably, but I, I think that we're going to see South Carolina make some tweaks offensively and maybe figure some things out in the second half. Another conference game, this one in the Western Division, LSU and Mississippi State. Basically, a field goal separates these two teams when you look to Vegas. What do you think? How do you think this game plays out between LSU and Mississippi State? People are literally sleeping on Mississippi State. I mean, they are sleeping on them because their two games have ended past midnight, and the one last week went until <laughs> 3 in the morning. Mississippi State's a really good football team, and that's why they're favored in this game. They are so good defensively with Zach Arnett and that three three five. And people that don't know the names Tyrus Wheat or Jeff Johnson, they're going to get to know them after what they do to LSU this weekend because I think they're going to present all sorts of problems for that LSU offensive line, which just looked awful in that opener against Florida State. That was their only game against real competition so far. And I think Jaden Daniels is going to spend too much of the day running for his life. Mississippi State should have been in the top 25 this week. The fact that they weren't and there were 31 people who put A&M in their top 25 is just ridiculous. But I, I think Mississippi State kind of has this coming out party, and they go in Death Valley, they win that game, and they put a lot more people on notice saying, hey, Mississippi State, they're going to be able to do more than just kind of hang around in the SEC West. They can absolutely keep their head above water and be a really difficult team to match up with on a weekly basis. Connor, I, I want to go back to something you kind of touched on right there with uh, talking about uh that Mississippi State team, uh, well, a team you, you touched on, that Texas A&M team, if, if they don't show up at, in College Station on Saturday against the number 13 Miami, they're looking at a bad start, a, a one and two start to the season, and they haven't looked good even in that one win against uh, Sam Houston State. And, you know, you've, you've got the grind of the SEC West coming up. I know next weekend you've got a, a date with Arkansas up in Arlington. What, what sh- should Texas A&M fans be sitting there worried right now? Well, there's, they're very much open to the possibility of a six and six season at this point. I don't think you can lose to, and with all due respect to App State, I realize, you know, we're talking about the premier conference in college football that is the Sun Belt. <laughs> but, you know, I think that if you're an A&M fan, you watched the way that it played out and you said, oh boy, this could easily be six and six, seven and five. There's a chance that by early to mid October, they're going to wish that people were making eight and four jokes because you hit the nail on the head. The defensive minds that they have coming up, in addition to having Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong this weekend, I know Auburn fans are very familiar with both of their work, I think that you look at the way that this plays out and you say, man, they need to figure out their offensive identity now because you got Barry Odom and then you got the aforementioned Zach Garnett and then, oh, by the way, you've got Nick Saban coming up. If you get out of two and two, that like that stretch right there, you'd probably be feeling good if you're an Aggie fan at this point. They could easily go one and three in that stretch, and all of a sudden you're realizing, wow, they have four losses, and we're not even to the midway point of the season yet. Aggie fans are very much of the belief that this offense needs to have those changes. We need to see them this weekend, and we need to see them against the Miami team. That's a bit overrated. I mean, they don't deserve to be number 13, but you know, I do think that this would be a huge bounce back week if they could find any sort of offensive identity with that one in College Station on Saturday night. 
And then another team I, I want to get your opinion on to start the season is another uh, SEC West team that's kind of had an interesting start to the year. They are 2-0. and Ole Miss came out, and they didn't look like that, you know, that – electric Ole Miss offense that we've seen in the past couple years under Lane Kiffin that first week against Troy, but then they lit it up against Central Arkansas last week, and they've got a really interesting one coming up on the road at Georgia Tech on Saturday. What has been your opinion of their start to the year? It's been weird. They don't even have a starting quarterback yet. <laughs> I mean, we're week three, and we're still trying to figure out, is it going to be Jackson Dart? Is it going to be Luke Altmaier? We probably will see more of Jackson Dart this weekend against Georgia Tech because Luke Altmaier suffered the upper body injury Lane has been pretty pretty private about this entire battle and going back and forth. And I think part of that, too, is because these guys are so hot and cold. I mean, Luke Altmaier has been a roller coaster from quarter to quarter. And Jackson Dart got a little bit too much of this 2020 Matt Corral in him, at least the bad version of Matt Corral in 2020, for my liking. So I think Lane is really trying to decide, all right, who's the guy that can actually lead my offense? Because they're both in the same class. The good news for them their running game is phenomenal. I mean, they added Zach Evans, the transfer from TCU, Ulysses Bentley, who they have a lot of expectations for from SMU. But it's been Quinshawn Judkins, the, the the guy who has just emerged as a star, as a true freshman. He's PFS highest graded running back in the SEC. He, he has a burst that I think is going to play really well in the SEC. So it's been a weird start for Ole Miss. Their, their schedule starts off so favorable, though, that they can kind of be this weird team that lacks an identity for a little bit. Even this weekend, they're two touchdown favorites. So I think they're going to figure some things out offensively just in terms of who they are and who they want to be. All right, Connor, let's bring things more local here. Auburn and Penn State, big-time matchup in the SEC this weekend. Uh, Auburn had to go up there and face the whiteout last year, and now Penn State's coming down south to face uh, this Auburn crowd. Have you seen the whiteout in person, and how do you think it compares to uh, to what Auburn can be when it's cranked up? You know, I haven't seen the whiteout in person, and I need to. I, I definitely need to. That's one of those places that I have not been to. And I, you know, going to I gra- having graduated from a Big Ten school, and I haven't covered Big Ten football for a handful of years. I, I didn't necessarily get to make that trip, and I wish I did because. It's incredible. I mean, in terms of a site, it's second to none. Now, they're 9-8 and eight in whiteout games, right? Like, that's what we kind of forget. And it's weird that they wear the Navy uniforms, even though it's a whiteout. I don't get why they do that. Maybe it'll be an orange out this weekend. That's kind of the expectation. That's what everybody's been talking about. But I, I do think that the atmosphere at Jordan-Hare should be second to none. It, it should be phenomenal because we get fired up for these non-conference games with Power 5 programs that actually have some history to them. And that's exciting to see. And it kind of creates a little bit of that different juice. Who knows? Maybe some uniforms will add a little bit more juice to it. I can't imagine they got this fired up just because they were changing the color of the face mask. I do think that we will probably see a little bit of a different kind of energy early on. Whether or not that translates to Auburn playing a 60-minute game, that might be a different discussion. What do you think are the big things to know about this Penn State football team going into week three? I mean, we're familiar with Sean Clifford having been the quarterback against Auburn a season ago, but his top target, Jahan Dotson, is now catching two touchdown passes for the Commanders this past weekend. What do we need to know about this Penn State team on the field for this season? So you know when you go through a neighborhood and you'll see a sign on a fence that says, beware of dog? (laughs) I feel like we should have that for Joey Porter Jr. You should be aware (laughs) of who Joey Porter Jr. is. He might be the best cornerback in college football. And just ask Aiden O'Connell about picking on him. It's a bad idea. It's a really bad idea. And he was phenomenal in that game last year as well during the whiteout. And he's somebody that if T.J. Finley insists on throwing his way, that's not going to end up well. It's just not going to. So I do think that the key for Auburn is finding that offensive 
identity and finding it early. If they can have two scoring drives in the first, probably in the first quarter of this game, that'll do a lot to kind of settle this team down. They want to be able to play ahead. They want to be able to run the football. They want to have some big throwing windows for TJ Finley. If Penn State is putting Finley in those spots where it's obvious throwing situation and he does kind of have to pick on those corners, that's going to be a rough formula for success. But Penn State, they're going to leave that window open a little bit because that's what Sean Clifford does. A lot of people compare Sean Clifford to Bo Nix. They say that he is Big Ten Bo Nix, and I don't have to explain to Auburn fans of what exactly that roller coaster experience is like. But there will be opportunities for Auburn. It's just a matter of being able to take them. As a radio host here on the Plains, it's my civic duty to make sure everyone's voice that's heard on this show talks about the quarterback spot for the Tigers. And so I'm going to do that now with you, Connor. Uh, You mentioned T.J. Finley there a little bit, but for two games, we've seen a lot of back and forth between Robbie Ashford and T.J. Finley. We sat down with you at SEC Media Days and had tons of conversation about a man named Zach Calzada who's not even factoring in right now whatsoever. So give us a little bit more your take from the outside side looking in on this quarterback room not great bob not great <laughs> um look I, I wonder how bad it's been for calzada it, because all the expectation it felt like there was coming out of media days was that he's going to be able to take this job and kind of run with it and instead you know we hear about the shoulder issues and that he's just not at the level to be able to execute their offense and we've seen the good and bad so far i think from robbie ashford as well albeit in an atypical role robbie ashford's going to be involved no matter what but we're seeing potentially a situation that's reminiscent of Florida last year, right? Anthony Richardson, he's this guy that's emerging, and you know that he's raw, but he's so unbelievably talented. He's an X-factor. And at what point do you say, well, our quarterback, our starting quarterback, is making a lot of mistakes, and he doesn't have the same upside as the guy that's behind him, and maybe we need to give him that full allotment of reps. I don't know that that all of a sudden changes this game. Dan Mullen certainly struggled with it last year. But I do think that T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford have a unique dynamic right now. And I'm not sure that it's really beneficial for T.J. Finley to have Robbie Ashford looking over his shoulder. I don't know that T.J. Finley would be great without him either. But I do have concerns about what he's going to do against this defense and what we've seen from him in situations in which he's been asked to throw the ball 25 times a game. Numbers aren't great. He's averaged, I think, what, 5.7 yards per attempt in those six games. And their offense is averaging 17 points a game when he's done that. So... I'm skeptical about T.J. Finley this weekend. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South here with us. Uh, Promote a couple of the recent episodes you've had with the Saturday Down South podcast, Connor. What's been going on over there? Yeah, we had uh, had Trayvon Diggs on today, the all-pro corner from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he's uh, he's promoting underwear. Actually, um, yeah, he and his brother, yeah, he and his brother Stephon Diggs promote some underwear. So uh, it was great to be able to have him on talk about his career at Alabama, switching to corner, how Saban made him cry when they had their conversation. Um, a lot of fun stuff to be able to get to with him. I did definitely suggest that his son should take um, Skip Bayless's job as the host of Undisputed. I think he'd be great in that role. Um, yeah, fun conversation, Saturday Down South podcast. Join, uh, find us on iTunes, subscribe. Uh, and then SaturdayDownSouth.com, we have a lot of great content. Uh, Matt Hayes does tremendous work for us as well. Lots and lots of stuff that's looking ahead to week three. We're going to be recapping all the action this weekend. College football midseason, man. What more can you want? Promoting underwear, man. That's got to be a first for anybody in the biz to have a right. podcast about that. That's amazing. He was good, too. He's, they have uh, – he and Stefan, it's – they're uh, – they, they, they call them – and this is their words, not mine. Yeah. They are called the chief, they are called the chief ball officers. 
And look, for two guys that catch passes for a living, I mean, <laughs> one of them in, 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 from a defensive standpoint, right. one of them from an offensive standpoint. Perfect. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's an interesting title that they have. But, yeah, they're, they're rolling with it. They're having a lot of fun and doing some big things. Thanks for the time today, Connor. Be well. Enjoy football this weekend, and we'll catch up soon. Sound good? Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys.